listening to Full Power Living with Eileen Dillon. Boy, hasn't a lot been changing in your life, mine too, in recent months and years? Trying to keep up with all of it can be exhausting. So how great would it be to take some time to explore timeless wisdom about living your life that can optimize your health, prevent disease, and allow you to live with vitality and joy? That's what we're doing here today on Full Power Living as I talk with my guest, Acharya Shunya, about Ayurveda lifestyle wisdom. (laughs) So welcome to Full Power Living, where we're helping the world to realize and work with the importance, power, and mastery of human emotions. You can ask your questions and make comments on both of our chats at EmotionalPro.com and on Blog Talk Radio. Acharya Shunya is one of the extraordinary master teachers of the living embodied wisdom of Ayurveda She transmits it through the roots of her ancient family lineage, as well as throughout her newest book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, in which she shares how to have abiding health all naturally and with ease. Shunya is the driving force behind Vidika Global, a wisdom school dedicated to awakening health and consciousness by illuminating the sciences of Ayurveda, Yoga, and Vedanta. She's president of the California Association of Ayurvedic Medicine. She was recognized as one of the top 100 trailblazers of Ayurveda and yoga in America by Spirituality and Health Magazine in 2015. And she's received an award for distinguished service in Ayurveda and yoga from the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco. We've posted both of her websites vidikaglobal.org and acharyashunya.com on our chats. And Shunya, welcome to Full Power Living. Thank you. So happy to be here talking to you. My stumbling on the words today, I think, is indicative of what happens when we try to move from one construct of living to another, which we're going to be talking about today. So uh, I I just want to make note of that. Um, Your mission is to teach others about Ayurveda, which is a very ancient way of bringing our entire self, mind, body, and spirit, to our natural state of health and full vitality. So I want to start by asking you, what are the ancient roots of Ayurveda? Thank you, Eileen. Yes, Ayurveda. Um, and yeah, I'm glad you noted the point about stumbling on that word. And I guess, but fortunately, the concept itself is so universal that it's well worth talking about it and enunciating it. But Ayurveda literally is made up, is a Sanskrit word. It's an ancient language in India. And the word itself comes from two words, Ayur which means life, and Veda, which means knowledge, exhaustive, comprehensive, life-transforming knowledge, not just ordinary knowledge. So Ayurveda is not just the knowledge of disease or how to be healthy, but how to lead our life in such a way that, you know, we prevent disease and optimize our health. And this 
uh, science or rather art of living has been around. It has been around for at least 5,000 years, Eileen. And the fun part is that it's not only popular in India, but it's popular worldwide. In fact, I am part of a um, you know, 60-plus country consortium that wants to bring Ayurveda at the grassroots level and at and into its healthcare and wellness, uh, you know, arena. I'm leading um, a whole movement for Ayurveda as president of the California Association of Ayurvedic Medicine and my school that trains professionals and as well as self-care course has been around for a decade now in Northern California. So there is a lot of excitement and writing my book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, just felt like the next logical step, and here we are talking, Eileen. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, I think one of the key uh, ideas that it's important for us to understand is that we are all naturally healthy. And in Ayurveda, uh, you're addressing not just physical bodies, but uh seeing us as spiritual entities living a physical life. And because of that, we come with the capacity to be and stay healthy in our bodies, but we also need to work with our natural endowment. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. That was the, that's one of the reasons I've casted my vote for Ayurveda, not just because I was born in a family of healers that have been doing this for an uninterrupted period of time. I was born in the 1960s, and you know what that time is worldwide. You know, there was this movement of, you know, checking who we are and what do we, you know, what do we believe in. And I had to re recast my vote for Ayurveda. And once I recognized that this ancient body of knowledge does not want to compartmentalize me as only material or only psychological, or even only spiritual, but wanted to see me as an integrated tripartite flow of consciousness, mind, or intelligence, and the body. I just love that. And this is why the lifestyle that I'm teaching about in my book is not only valuable for biological health, but you know some of the practices, such as waking up in the morning and greeting the rising sun, or doing a sun meditation, or contemplating on who I am deep down, that stillness, all of this supports the mind and spirit. So, yeah, that's just the fun part of Ayurveda. It just, it just keeps growing more and more deep and holistic from that point onwards. Yeah, it's, I, I was very inspired reading your book. Uh, so... Uh, let me just ask you about this. Increasingly, it seems like people in the U.S. are suffering from medical problems that are debilitating. Often they're mysterious and they're viewed by Western medicine as not curable. Uh, but you talk in your book about, uh, you give examples of people who had so-called incurable illnesses. And you use the concept of Ayurveda of uh, working with nature, with nature's patterns to restore them to health. And so I want you to talk about um, 
the importance of harmonizing with nature? I think, um, you know, um, going beyond the paradigm of cure or, you know, incurable, I just want to talk about a new paradigm, and it's a paradigm of awakening health. And, you know, long ago, I'm I'm just going to say, let's say 40 years ago, I started having a lot of pain while walking. By the time I was 18, I couldn't walk. I had crutches. And many years later, many years later, um, the pain would not be all the time, but when it got really bad, I had to, like, use crutches and hobble or I would be bedridden. And, you know, many years later, I found out using modern Western medicine that, oh, I I have a genetic condition and it's an autoimmune disorder with a grand lofty name and the prognosis is that I'll be in a wheelchair or be on like serious painkillers or opiates and that's what the support group did and everybody was like, you know, with this grim prognosis that this is an incurable condition. But I was fortunate that my teacher, my grandfather, who I lovingly call Baba, which means like a loving elder, as you read in the book. He was a, you know, renowned healer and a spiritually, you know, self-actualized being. And he said to me, don't worry about the pain. Just start living each day so beautifully that it becomes a medicine unto itself. And he taught me these beautiful practices like applying warmed oil on my body or soaking my body in like, you know, hot uh, tub with, you know, marigolds or roses or other things that I've talked about. And the pain started waning. And I'm going to be 50 next month, Eileen, and I'll just tell you, that instead of my disease being progressive, I've actually begun running and jogging in the last few years. And I look younger than I am, and, you know, I just feel really good. So probably if somebody did a genetic testing, I would still come forward as having some aberrated gene which doesn't want to cooperate with me. But my consciousness and my lifestyle is such that the gene, you know, has been forced to turn passive and then I've quoted a study, a mainstream study, which showed that actually when uh, a group of people went through lifestyle changes, several of the inflammation and disease-causing genes turned off and several of the health-promoting genes turned on. So though I don't, you know, so that was very interesting that our lifestyle can actually switch off and switch on our genes, which that means that we have the key and, you know, so I am talk about awakening health, and that's why if you come to my school, Eileen, and I hope you do in Northern California near Berkeley, you'll meet these people. These are like real people who are at my school or at my clinic who've, like, you know, recovered from MS or thyroid or chronic obesity. And once again, I don't want to say I cured them or Ayurveda cured them. I would just say that they awakened to a greater vibration of health which was hidden, but it was all there all along. You know, I, re- I really like that idea. I, I, uh, I've always loved animals uh, in my life. At one time, wanted to be a veterinarian, and it always has fascinated me that animals uh, don't seem to, um, they don't, I don't know, cater to illness. Uh, you know, I think as they've come closer to us, humans many like dogs and cats for example are having 
those diseases that humans have. But in general, animals just stay healthy. And that's part of what you point out in, uh, in your book, is that we have that capacity to just be healthy when we do these lifestyle changes. Thank you. In fact, I remember writing this, that while death is a certainty, disease is optional. And I understand biological decay and aging. We're not trying to create a parallel universe with different biological <laughs> laws. But, you know, that decay need not be coming at the cost of stress and unimaginable amounts of suffering and organ, organ failure and other such things, you know, which, you know, I have deep sympathy for us for those of us who have become so alienated from nature, our own nature, and if I may take the liberty of saying even our own animal or plant nature, because we are part of nature, that, yes. you know, disease really is a symptom of, it's really whispering us to come back. So I wanted to share this ancient wisdom because there are many books out there on Ayurveda and yoga. Some of your listeners will well be into holistic health and they may or may not feel familiar with the Sanskrit, but they've been reading up on it. And, you know, but I had yet to find a book that would go into such exhaustive details, you know. I mean, it's almost a 400-page book, but it, it will act like a Bible. One would never need another book. And whether one had sleep problems or weight conditions or digestive issues, they just have to turn to that section and the authentic knowledge without dilution or dumbing down would be available in a very accessible manner. And I also suggested spices, foods, and botanicals that are growing all over America or, you know, available just by, you know, one online, you know, order. So I wanted to make it simple, and I wanted to share the secret that has got me walking and has set so many people free. And lastly, I just want to say that, you know, as I turn 50 and as I contemplate that though my spirit is immortal, my body is mortal, and at some point I would like to peacefully let go of my body, I just wanted to leave a book that can outlive, you know, my being and the message can continue. Well, having read all 384 pages, I <laughs> will tell you... <laughs> I couldn't, I, I've been reading all week, uh, and, you know, I could have skimmed, but I went, this information is vital for me. I turned 74 in November, and um, I am, uh, I have just sold my family home, and in a, about another month, I'm going to take off in a, a, a van, an RV, and tour the country on my own, and so wow. I've been thinking of the things that you uh, that you write about, you know, I'm thinking, I've been wanting to know, how do I stay vital and healthy for the next 20 or 30 years? Yeah. Uh, as long as, yeah. you know, that's, that's what I want to do. And I, I thankfully already do some of the things that you talk about. Like I get up at 4.30 or 5 every morning uh -huh. and get, get going, for example, and I've done it for years. Uh, but uh, but I just felt so inspired. I felt like here's a cookbook I can use, literally, because you have recipes as well. Uh, here's a better way to clean my teeth. Um, here's just what I need to help me reassure myself that I am doing everything that I can to 
have a healthy life for as long as my body wants to live it. You know, I'm so glad you said that because there is no age limit to awakening health. There is none. Because my Baba, my teacher, told me that health is our birthright and it's an it's a sleeping paradigm that we just awaken through self-loving practices. And I wonder if you enjoyed uh, the story of, or the case study of my student, um, you know, Duncan. And Duncan became my student at the ripe old age of uh, 68. And then yes. he, his whole health turned around and his blood tests, you know, were the best they could be. And he, his rashes cleared up, his aches and pains disappeared, and and then finally he said that, I'm, I'm quoting, he said, one of my goals now is to live healthy, happy, and pain-free for 30 more years on top of my own mountain in my little RV surrounded by trees, peace, and quiet, and incredible <laughs> yes. views of nature. Thank you, Ayurveda, for making me believe this is possible. So yes. this, was, uh, this was written by him, and it... Because he spoke about his RV, it reminded me of you and your journey, you know, exploring. Yeah, I did read that, yes. Yeah. So, um, Shunya, we're up to our first break. You who are listening, are you willing to change some basic things about how you're living in order to restore physical and psychological health, too? And do you want to live longer like we're talking about? We're going to keep looking at some of the things you need to change in order to do that. You're listening to Full Power Living, and we'll be right back. Eileen Dillon is a certified senior life mentor with Accessing Universal Intelligence. She's available to conduct mentoring sessions with you to help you understand, change, and evolve using the advice of your own higher self. You can be anywhere in the world. Sessions are conducted through Skype. For more information about these life mentoring sessions, fees, and how to register, Go to www.emotionalpro.com and click on the mentoring link at the top. Get personally tailored assistance with your toughest life questions. Visit mentoring at emotionalpro.com today. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Acharya Shunya about Ayurveda, an ancient medical system for optimizing health and preventing disease that she is popularizing in our Western world through the publication of her book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom. And I really recommend this book. Now, uh, Shunya, growing up, I lived for a year with my grandparents on their farm. And we went to bed with the chickens. That's very early, as you know. We got up pre-dawn to milk the cow. We ate fresh food from the garden that my grandmother cooked. And we worked every day except Sunday to care for animals and plants. And I have long believed that some of these patterns that were instilled into my life early on have helped me to have uh, the, the length of life that I've had so far and in good health. 
And so what I'm talking about is those patterns for living our day, physical nourishment and physical movement that are vital in Ayurveda. I'm going to get this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I want you to talk with me about these natural patterns here while I practice over here. (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, you know, not everybody can who wake up with the chickens or, you know, which it is ideal. And but So I ask that at least we wake up as early as possible or by 6 a.m. And then I have a whole chapter called Celebrating the Awakened Sky as to what do we do when we wake up. What are the meditations? What are the exercises? What are the yoga practices? What can we do to, you know, integrate movement into our life? And it's uh, like... When you lived with your grandparents, you were, you know, you were leading a very active life, which was followed by, I'm sure, very sound sleep. And believe it or not, but the sleep and awake cycle or the active and rest cycle and their balance is so important. And we human beings seem to have treaded so far away that either we are only sedentary or we are only active, we are over-exercising, you know, I mean, so I have a whole chapter on exercise, how much, in what season do the ancient sages tell us we should increase our exercise, reduce it, what kind of activities can we incorporate during the day. Without changing anything, we start developing an inner map of how to go about our one day so that that day becomes like a portrait in which we have painted, you know, the potential of health and reaped it. And I want to say to you that this is, this may sound like, oh, my God, am I going to change my whole life? No. You can just, just like uh, Eileen is doing, maybe just read something, incorporate a few things at a time, whatever is drawing to you, and you can then gradually, you know, work on it. I've had people, I was talking to someone who said she was reading my book and for 20 years she had this ongoing sleep issue that she'd work herself through the day she'd and fall asleep exhausted by midnight or so, thinking that now sleep would come to her, Eileen, but it didn't. And she would toss and turn and every day she'd wake up tireder, crankier, sadder, and, you know, ready to like kind of, you know, throw in the towel and say, this is it, I can't do this. And she was really leading a very busy life externally through sheer willpower, I think, but it was depleting her. And then she read my book really to give a written review for it. A month ago, she got it before the book released, and she's just started following the chapter and suggestions on sleep, such as, you know, go to bed by this time, by 10 p.m., so to start turning in by 9.30 Warm some warm sesame oil and apply it on your the palms of, on your feet, on your outer ear and on the crown, on the top of your head. Just a few drops. Do this meditation. Chant these words. And she told me a month later that uh, you know she's sleeping better, and she couldn't believe that she had kicked a two decade plus challenge in like less than thirty days. And I said to her. I said, your body is so intelligent. It doesn't want to gang up on you and distress you. There is no punishment karma coming here. This is just a matter of aligning with nature. And as Eileen, said, as Eileen you said, the birds and animals seem to have an intuitive understanding of staying healthy. 
because they follow the movement of the sun across the sky. And they know when it's time to wake up and when it's time to, like, start retiring and becoming quieter and going to bed. But we human beings, you know, we turn on the Internet and we create our virtual world and we find our love and romance and excitement and future coming forward in our virtual creations of the mind and so the mind just doesn't calm down. So hopefully, you know, this lady that I'm talking about can lead her really busy life but from a place of deep restfulness and then she can be active all through the day. The goal is not to retire you into a monk but the goal is to make you even more efficient. That's what I would say. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really true. When you first look at the entire body of knowledge that you include, it seems like, oh, my gosh, there's so much to change. But, you know, I just uh, uh, stopped working in my office after 45 years of being a psychotherapist here in Northern California. And uh-huh. uh, one of one of the things I observed is that when you really look at something, when you really see it, uh, something that needs to be changed in your life, initially you're overwhelmed. It just seems like so much work to be done. But uh, what I have observed is that that is the point where you're actually already three quarters of the way there because uh, it's facing it and making a decision that's the biggest uh, hurdle, not the actual doing of it. That's just putting one foot in front of the other the way you, you describe this woman doing. Oh, that's so true. And, you know, my response to this is um, two-pronged. One, that, and that is why, and that is when, when you think it's overwhelming or too much and you really need help, that is why you can turn to somebody like me with a book like mine where I kind of handhold you, right? I mean, I yes. if you just read the chapter one, the rest of it is like, it's easy. You're walking through a garden picking flowers that are going to help you. And number two, which I want to, you know, address all the people who are listening is that I get really excited when I meet people who have been suffering in body and mind because then I tell them, wow, you're so ripe to be healthy. You're so ready. <laughs> I mean, if you're yeah. already, if you're playing, if you're having a party in life, you might or might not pick up my book because you don't value your health. You don't know what a good night's sleep means or what, you know, no decay in your teeth means or what is, you know, a beautiful complexion mean in spite of years of eczema or rashes or rosacea. You don't you don't know the value. But if you're suffering, come to me. Come to this book. And that's why my life, Eileen, is full of people who, and you read those case studies, who are distressed, who are dying, who are mentally suffering, who are ready to end their life. And and I work with those darkest of, you know, episodes of their life, and then I share with them these few gems. And, and then when they come back to thank me or bring me flowers, that's when I tell them, what did I do? I just shared with you the knowledge that's helping me. Your own healthy self woke up and rescued you. And just following a few little tweaks in your life, you become like the plant and animal um, um, that is, you know, conditioned by nature. And it's That is a beautiful. great next book title for you. Your healthy right? self woke up and, <laughs> and started taking care of you. That's great. Yeah, That's great. yeah. Well, I know, like, if we look at food, uh, Ayurveda uh, offers rules, if you will, about the foods that we eat, but I noticed that it isn't really dictatorial. 
It's just that the developers of Ayurveda um, discovered that specific ways of eating and drinking fluids work better than others. And uh, the rules have to do with what kind of basic physical pattern each one of us has, the time of day, or even the current season. So um, uh, can you kind of give a little overview of what actually works well? I know it's we have you know six time zones in the day and so forth, but something that's very simple so people can kind of get an overview of what is right. suggested. Yeah, no, thank you for observing that it is not dictatorial, although some people might comment that it is. And the reason is that originally Ayurveda was never meant to be simply giving blind rules, but then we sometimes find books or blogs which just give a list of do's and don'ts, and that's really scary. And I'm somebody who doesn't like following any external rules, Eileen, by the way. I'm a very mm-hmm. sovereign soul, and and when I was younger, people called me a rebel. Now they call me a pioneer, right, and a visionary, right? <laughs> That's what happened. Well, I, I so know I would one, never yeah. follow any rule if it was just imposed <laughs> on me. That's why I wrote the kind of book that explains things and persuades you and talks to your common sense, and that is why I, I, I'm reading, you know, I'm reading bin, between your lines to say, I think I did a decent job in explaining things so you feel persuaded and not dictated. And, um, you know, and so that's why uh, the chapter on food and food rules or food suggestions is really important. But, you know, some of the stuff is really common sense, and I'll give an example. Uh, For example, you know, one of the things is how much to eat. And we just never know. And either we undereat and then we eat too much the rest of the day or we overeat. So they gave us symptoms, like if you feel any stretching in your stomach, you know, or if you feel full and you don't feel hungry for so many hours later, then this is how much you can reduce it. They don't tell you how much to eat, but they connect you to your intuitive understanding. Another concept that's really popular is snacking. And, you know, I don't want to talk too much against it, but I'll just give why Ayurveda says snacking may not be that great an idea unless you have a super sharp metabolism, but most most of us don't in the sedentary age. So they say every time you snack, your body or your metabolism has to restart digesting while the old, the previous batch is not fully cooked. So therefore, then the previously uncooked and the new fresh batch of food, it all mixes up and causes heartburn or bloating or, you know, or even toxins, which then cause long-term problems. So I've had countless people with eczema, itchy skin, rashes, which is typically a sign of toxicity. That And so I tell them, are you snacking? And they might. And I'll say, don't even put one extra grape in your mouth in between your meals. And if you're dying to have the grape, then have it in the beginning of your meal and then continue. And do this just for 30 days and see if your skin cleared up. I've actually kept data. I mean, everybody I met, their condition started resolving. So I explain this whole concept most gently because there are many, many theories out there that keep eating, keep snacking, don't go hungry. But that is not, even if you look at our human evolution, we couldn't just go on snacking. Food was scarce. We had to work for our food. Now the only work for our food is to buy a packaged snack industry, which is teaching us to snack, 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 and snack some more. And we never rest our digestive system. But most animals, they will eat 
and then they will rest the digestive system, and then they eat again. If we even water our, you know, uh, our roses all the time, they will get, you know, fungi. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're just, so these basic simple rules I've tried to explain in common sense language, and I've tried to persuade, and then I have, of course, years and years of witnessing that these rules, I mean, they work with nature. They were not just yes. made up by a couple of Hindu gurus saying, yeah, let's just tell people <laughs> not to snack. They're like, they're based in science, you know. Yeah. That's good. By the way, you did an excellent job of explaining. <laughs> uh, um, and, you know, uh, about a year ago, my husband, who was a doctor, he was a neurosurgeon, uh, died of complications of prostate cancer. And through the process of his illness, I gained a much greater respect for the task of elimination of food. And uh, I was really interested to read your chapter because I watched the effects of modern medicine offering laxatives and stool softeners and uh, painkillers and so forth. And uh, we eventually helped my husband straighten his bowels out by using uh, coconut oil uh, a couple couple teaspoons a day. Uh, uh-huh. But uh, I want you to talk about that because I think American medicine uh, really does not understand the importance of our proper elimination. Right. And I saw that through my three decades of work with the American population. <laughs> and, and and there is actually very less – I mean, I think when you were growing up, I'm sure there was like this basic discipline around you get up in the morning and you go. You know, but I'm yes. noticing that more and more because we work with mothers and children and families in our various clinics with, uh, you know, attached to our organization in California, that most families don't have that routine and children are often, parents are rushing to work and children are quickly, you know, with the best of intention. There's no conspiracy theory here, but it's just that everybody's so busy that the bowel habits of, um, I think not only Americans, but worldwide with the new modern era, you know, it's disturbed. So I've, like, had to write a whole chapter on it. And who writes a whole chapter on elimination in a feel-good book? Well, I do. Because you (laughs) cannot feel good. You cannot really be vital. Your energy cannot be pure. Your mind cannot be happy unless you have really eliminated. There is a time for input, and there is a very critical need for an output. And it's really important to eliminate. And, you know, we now we you can know from reading the book how the oil, the dryness, the oil was counteracting the dryness of vata dosha or the air energy. So it makes total sense that you did that. And, you know, and so... I have given so many um, uh, tips on how to eat so that you neither suffer from ongoing chronic off-and-on constipation, nor do you have occasional or sporadic diarrhea. I just want you to have, uh, if you're listening to me and will buy this book, I just want you to have such beautiful elimination that, you know, that elimination and the quality of the elimination will then determine how your cells 
purify themselves, reinvent themselves, and stay cancer-free and disease-free. And um, I just uh, feel that enough cannot be said about it. And I was so happy that my my editor, publisher at Sounds True, were also very supportive of, you know, writing this really narrative chapter. And I hope, and I realize when I read it and I get so many rave comments about it, I think I'm glad I followed my intuition. And before I taught various practices that you could do to yourself, I also went in and talked about digestion and then elimination because they're like pivotal to our health. And, you know, it's like part of the factory. When you eat, you are eating things to build your cell immunity and vitality. And when you eliminate, you're making sure you eliminate what you don't need. And it's just vital. Can't forget that. Absolutely. And it's refreshing that you did put it in. We're up to our second break. I'm talking today with Acharya Shunya, who is advisor to national and international organizations, including the government of India, on international Ayurveda and yoga affairs. You're listening to Full Power Living. We have more for you after this break. Everybody feels anger, but if you don't learn to deal with it, anger can mess up your life. It can cause you relationship problems, difficulties on the job, or create health problems. If you want a way to understand and work with anger that's simple yet so powerful it helps you to put an end to the specific angers that are messing up your life, then you'll want to get a copy of a mini course I've created for you entitled Reduce Anger Now. With it, I want you to be able to figure out what's stimulating the anger you feel and have an easy way to change that anger so you can dramatically reduce the anger in your life. I'm Eileen Dillon, the emotional pro, longtime psychotherapist, coach, and anger expert. I've helped thousands of people to master anger, and I want you to begin to become an anger master in your life. Order Reduce Anger Now at the store, www.emotionalpro.com. That's www.emotionalpro.com. Welcome back to Full Power Living. I want to tell you that next week I'm talking with my dear friend Jill Lublin, who has written a book called The Prophet of Kindness. And she's talking about kindness and the ways we can be kind in business and in life. And it's a very interesting topic. So be sure to join me for that. On February 23rd, we're going to look at the little black book of suicide notes with Adele Royce, where we look at what actually goes on with people who seriously are considering suicide? So many of us wonder, how could I have known that this person was serious? And that's some of, the, some of what we'll be talking about. And finally, on March 2nd, I have Stanford psychiatrist, Dr. Susan Edelman. She'll be here to talk with me about a new sexual revolution for women, which she talks about in her book, 
be your own brand of sexy. So uh, subscribe. Our homepage is emotionalpro.com. Click subscribe and we'll send you notices. And um, I also want to tell you that starting March 9th, we're on a six-month sabbatical while I update and modernize Full Power Living. And you heard earlier in the show that I'm taking off in my van and I need to get all the technical details worked out. So we'll be starting up again in September. And during our hiatus, I hope you will listen to our archives. We have 13 years worth of shows on our archives at blogtalkradio.com forward slash FPL and at emotionalpro.com. And remember, you also can subscribe to uh, to Full Power Living on iTunes. Well, today I'm talking about Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom. That's the name of her book with teacher, master teacher, author and expert, health expert, Acharya Shunya. And um, so Acharya, um, uh, well, let me see where I am now. I just lost myself. Uh, some of the uh, it's teeth cleaning, that was a very interesting chapter. So let me go there. Teeth cleaning by chewing rather than brushing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, we can always brush, but we should brush with, not with, um, we should try to avoid, unfortunately, the modern selection of the miraculous toothpaste (laughs) that, um, and I have persuaded once again, I didn't want to mandate, but I persuaded by giving a list of very well-known carcinogens that are, you know, sweetly, you know, mixed up in those beautiful bubbles and other things that we, the minty taste and all of that, which is just like the cosmetic, to something very, very, very questionable for our health. And it's not just about um, not taking them because I'm an activist and I don't like anything chemical, I could still have made my peace if those chemicals were, uh, you know, organic derivatives and were not harmful. They're actually harmful. And uh, I'm not the only one raising a question mark, but there is a whole parallel, you know, universe of people talking about them. But but then they're not always alternatives to what to do. So that's why I created this whole chapter on sparkling our smiles with all natural ways. And I have given so many recipes and, you know, mouth gargles and tooth polishers and anti-cavity potions, all that you can put together in the comfort of your own kitchen or your garden. You can just even grow the herbs on your balcony. And, you know, you can, and, and then I even went ahead and gave studies and I quoted in, you know, the in the footnotes, uh, so to make it, you know, readable, but you can look up those studies to know that if I'm saying that you can, you know, brush your teeth with a certain botanical, then, you know, there is actually research that it actually works as good as fluoride or anything else, in fact, better. And then regarding chewing, you know, um, the World Health Organization has also accepted chewing sticks or these are very thin twigs from several trees, not just one, including the toothache tree known to the Native Americans here, which you chew on it. 
And as you chew upon it, you know, juices come out and they enter deep, deep pockets. And as you're chewing and you're masticating on that, you know, you're moving your whole gums and teeth, and that's the natural thing to do. And the juice or the botanical enters even deeper. And then you just cut off that end and then reuse it again. So, And then the whole thing is biodegradable. And you don't, you know, reserve any bacteria in your, you know, plastic or, you know, fiber toothbrush. You just use it and cut it off. And those botanicals, they are both antibacterial by nature and of a very superior quality. So I have suggested several that can be found right here in America. Others can be ordered online. And I've shown step-by-step way of using it. I've talked about cultures that have been using it for timeless, you know, uh, timeless, um, uh, or rather for for across time, and they are um, now back in the vogue again. And um, a toothbrush that you can chew, a toothbrush that you can, um, you know, know that it is not harming your environment. And then I have, you know, talked about. Um, uh, expect higher expectation from your dental health because I leave our mouth is not just mouth with a couple of you know teeth protruding that should just look pretty and white. That mouth is connected to our whole body and it's connected to our immune system and it's also the first receptacle of food. So a pure mouth, a happy mouth, a balanced cells in the oral mucosa, all of this is you know, uh, prevents cancer, prevents mouth sores, prevents decay, and also improves our experience with food. And some of the other things that I've taught, such as gargling with certain decoctions and warm oils, improves our voice and prevents sore throats. And, you know, it's a perfect, beautiful gift to ourselves on a daily basis. So these are all very rare teachings. You know, they are books on Ayurveda, which like to give some information, but I am using this dental care to help people who have, you know, got tired of, you know, dental bills and they're still having no resolve or their cavities keep coming back or they're having to have major surgery every few years in their mouth. And now they are swearing by this dental regimen. So I wanted to quickly write a chapter on it put it out there, and I might be following it up with another booklet of 150 pages because I was not done yet. I mean, uh, so watch wow. out for that one on dental care okay. with Ayurveda. Yeah. Well, I think that's really good. You know, a few months back, we featured a dentist whose name I don't remember right now. He's a pediatric dentist in Seattle who uh, was talking about a, a current epidemic of tooth decay between the molars of children five years old and younger. And yeah. he point he pointed out that the culprit is the finely ground white flour that mm. is in, you know, cracker snacks that people hand to their children in little plastic bags and let them munch on all day. And he suggested so so this sort of ties together both tooth health and your uh, your concern about snacking that we actually 
tend to start our children off early with snacking when uh, when what we're doing can actually be not good for their tooth health and not good for their whole life, which is really important, I think. Precisely, and that is why my chapter on tooth health is not only what you put into your mouth to clean it or purify it, but then I've also talked about the whole section on diet and how snacking creates toxins, which then, you know, uh, get deposited as plaque, you know. So, And then I've even given a very ancient recommendation that work every time on, you know, gum disease or if you have, you know, uh, you know weak teeth. And you can incorporate those foods into your diet and, you know, actually reap wonderful health. So just, uh, and I did a lot of research because I know this stuff, but then I wanted to, do the responsible thing by going to those traditional texts thousands of years old and bring those recipes out and I'm like and bring out those foods thinking wow these foods are available in the American kitchen and the American market I just have to highlight them so that a person who has gum disease or foul breath or you know teeth that seem to be losing teeth early can just incorporate those foods so I'm really happy at how the chapter turned out to be pretty comprehensive with practices as well as nutrition. Yes, yes, it was very interesting. So we are fast running out of time here, and I have two other areas, sexuality and yoga, to talk about. <laughs> so <laughs> can, you, can you give us a quick, quick synopsis of sexuality, please? <laughs> Well, you know, know, Ayurveda, I mean, I have to say that the Indians were like um, having a very balanced attitude towards sexuality. And uh, some of the listeners may have heard of a sexual uh, book, like a compendium called the Kama Sutra, which explains, you know, beautiful sexuality. And they also, in their temple art, many of the temples had, you know, beings in sexual positions, but it was not vulgar. It was really, um, you know, a celebration of sexuality. So how could Indian medicine not talk about sex? And But, you know, one of the things that I dealt with again and again was when, how much, you know, or, you know, not enough sexual stamina. And so I have given recipes that help with, you know, sexual stamina as well as increasing the sperm count as well as, you know, um, you know, fertility if one wanted it. But more than that, I've also gone into some of the cyclical uh, behavior of sexuality. You know, we human beings, my God, Eileen, we really create our own, you know, strange, uh, you know, law book of how we will be. Most animals, yeah. including plants and trees, they have sexual seasons, so to say, you know, or they have cycles yes. of waning and waxing sexuality. We just expect once the, the sexuality we had 19, we should go, 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 go like that bunny that goes, goes, goes all the time. And if there is something <laughs> wrong with it, oh, my God, loss of self-esteem, I'll shoot myself or I'll take a chemical that may that was developed for heart attacks, but I'll just take it anyway and, you know, somehow perform. But, you know, with potential massive side effects, not only on the body, but even the mind, because, you know, you're faking it, you know. So I wanted to talk about, I wanted to invite us to once again think of ourselves as, you know, cyclical sexuality, periods of rest, rejuvenation, self-love, self-care, 
and then glorious sexuality as a natural expression of who we are, sexual, fertile, creative, beautiful beings. And, you know, when is a time one is optimum? What is the time of day that's optimum? What season? What should we be eating? So I really wanted to include that and because it's such a huge part of our lifestyle, you know. And excess sexuality or suppressing it, being dysfunctional around it, covering it up, shaming it, all of this causes perverted mind, uh, you know, reactions as well as autoimmune behavior, you know, psychosomatic problems. So Ayurveda says, uncover it, reveal it, polish it, shine it, own it, but don't deplete it, you know. And Very exercise good. comes right in there, Eileen. I mean, we're a nation of exercisers. If we are not exercising enough, at least we are, you know, bullying ourselves to exercise more. I mean, each one of us has a functional or a dysfunctional relationship with exercise. And my chapter on, or my section on exercise, I kind of have a chapter dedicated to sleep, sex, and exercise because they're connected. It talks about how to have a balanced relationship with exercise, when and how and when is enough, what are the symptoms of excessive exercise, and what can we do to incorporate exercise, such as yoga, which is a specialized kind of subtle exercise of the energy of the body. And, you know, I shed some light on the current condition of the yoga of more. I want it to be cheeky and call it that, you know, where we're just like we go to a yoga studio and no matter what's our age or body type, we're like, come on, get into a drill and more is better. And, you know, there are all these, you know, sexy young people who are doing like 70 poses and you're not done with your fifth one. You know, it doesn't sound right because back in the ancient days, three, four yoga postures or even one or two were enough done slowly, mindfully with the right breath. So I kind of wanted to use my book to bring us back to sanity. And just because like, you know, we go to fast food and it says now more, you know, like a bigger burger. It's not like now more yoga is better, you know. And uh, yeah, so I had fun talking and discussing some of the things that have kind of blown out of proportion, probably from a good place. But it's time to return back and not be scared of yoga or exercise and not burn ourselves out, but just the right amount for our constitution for the time of the day and the season or the state of life that we are in, you know. And that should be enough. Like for me and you, people our age, maybe, you know, two or three yoga postures, or, you know, one cycle of sun salutation, maybe all we need, you know, along mm-hmm. with meditation and deep breathing, and we're good to go. So, no, yeah. I will so, say to you, I will say yeah. to you that, that the recommendation of uh, leaving off sexuality after the age of 70, that brings out the rebel in me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Or leaving out or at least calming it down, for sure. Calming you it know. down. Well, that may yeah. happen all by itself. Well, exactly. we yeah. <laughs> we need to stop here. This has been absolutely delightful. Uh, uh, yeah. I I really thank you for uh, the master teaching work that you've been doing through. Uh, do you say it, Vidika Global? That is right. Vidika Global uh, is the name of my organization, V E D I K A Global, where I uh-huh. teach and I I have charitable clinics that we can help people with. 
All right. And let me remind people that your book is Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom. And uh, your websites are Vedika Global, V-E-D-I-K-A Global dot org. And uh, Acharya Shunya dot com. Uh, that's A-C-H-A-R-Y-A-S-H-U-N-Y-A dot com. So you can go back and listen to that a few times. So thank you so much for your work. Thank you for your book. And uh, you've just been a delight to visit with this morning on Full Power thank Living. Thank you. So listen to us next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon on the East Coast. And remember, you can also listen by subscribing through iTunes. Thank you so much for being with us today. I certainly hope you will take the information that Shunya has imparted to us today. Check out her book. Get your own copy. It's definitely worth it. More of us, are we're all entitled to be healthy, and more of us can be much, much healthier. So consider reading and making some simple changes so that you can be healthier in all the aspects of your life. Our producer is Paul Johnston of Fresh Talk Media. For now, I'm Eileen Dillon, your host, reminding you to pay attention not to what you want to overcome, but to what you want to become. You're listening to Full Power Living with Eileen Dillon.